Um, now, last week we finished up our four-week Advent um, series, Glimpses of God, um, where we looked at the book of Isaiah. Today, Daniel is going to be preaching from the book of Psalms. And so we're going to open up God's Word. Please turn with me to Psalm 100. That's Psalm 100, and we'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Please follow along as I read. A psalm for thanksgiving. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. This is the word of God. Thanks, John. Right, good morning, everyone. Um, sorry, I'm going to... There we go. I wish I had three hands whenever I come up here. Uh, but in any case, uh, yeah, my name's Daniel, and I have the joy and privilege of opening up God's Word uh, for the last Sunday of this year. Um, holiday season is in full swing. I um, hope you guys enjoyed your Christmas. I, was, uh, I certainly did. I went over to my parents' house, and uh, with a few guests, we ate from 12 o'clock to 7 o'clock. Um, so seven hours. I had a bit of a break. I, I, I uh, food combed for an hour. Um, and then I woke up and I got back into eating uh, lots of good food. Um, holiday season is in full swing, and that's probably one of the reasons why it's a bit empty today, because uh, you know, a fair few of our uh, church family members are on holiday. If you're joining us online, um, thank you for doing that, uh, even while you are on holiday. Um, speaking of holidays, though, um, Australia has, uh, I think, let me get my stats right. I think in the OECD, we have one of, if not the most amount of actual public holidays. Um, that, I think, is a reflection of uh, maybe Aussie culture. Uh, but uh, we don't have one particular holiday uh, that uh, some other country um, that is a little bit bigger than us uh, does. Um, talking about Thanksgiving. Um, and I think it is a little bit of uh, a shame that we don't have anything of the equivalent to that. Of course, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving because, you know, we're not American. But uh, the point of Thanksgiving, I think, is, is a beautiful thing, especially uh, as Christians. Um, in 2021, again, we're talking about uh, Americans. Uh, in, in 2021, Harvard Medical School uh, released a uh, psychology article, um, and it's titled, uh, Giving Thanks uh, Can Make You Happier. Uh, so in, the, in it, it's, it's, it's a fairly short article, so feel free to have a read uh, for yourself. But in it, uh, the author refers to a 10-week a uh, group study uh, conducted by two psychologists. And um, they have three groups. And then the first group uh, wrote about everything that they could think of that they were grateful for uh, every week for the 10-week period. And then the second group uh, wrote about everything they could think about that irritated and bothered and annoyed them. Um, that's a chipper of a group. Uh, and uh, the third group uh, just kind of wrote down things that popped into mind uh, without any sort of emphasis about how positive or negative uh, they might have been. Uh, now, it doesn't, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to uh, you know, determine which group was actually, at the end of the 10-week period, happier. 
right? Of course, it's the uh, first group. Uh, but be that as it may, the study uh, proved uh, to a, a great extent that there is a strong link uh, mentally uh, between uh, the act of giving thanks, so gratitude, and a person's actual general well-being. So in, in it, the article actually showed uh, that the group that expressed gratitude actually exercised more. Um, and overall, so in the beginning they had a medical checkup, and then at the end of it they had a medical checkup. And overall, the group that was thankful, uh, their physical health uh, even improved in that 10-week period. Now, there are no surprises here for uh, us as Christians. We, we know that gratitude is a, is a good thing. Uh, we commanded to do it uh, throughout the Old and the New Testament, and in our passage, we are confronted with one of these commandments. Uh, in verse 4, uh, the psalmist says to enter God's gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, to give thanks to him and to bless his name. It's common enough of a command that we know as Christians uh, that we should be grateful and thankful. It, it's not, again, it's not, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. Um, and uh, sometimes it's good to see uh, when, you know, even modern psychology uh, plays catch up to biblical truth, when it reflects uh, biblical truth. Uh, of course, as Christians, we know giving thanks can make you happier. But here's the thing. Is it the same thing? What is distinct uh, about how Christians give thanks? Uh, is there any distinction at all? Uh, what is the difference, let's say, between a, a non-religious guy, uh, a non-Christian person, you know, expressing gratitude, and a Christian expressing gratitude? Is there a difference at all, or is it much, much the same thing? Well, it's the last day of uh, 2023, and uh, what better day is there, uh, for Australians at least, to think about the act of giving thanks to God than New Year's Eve? So, uh, what are you grateful for uh, this year? What are you grateful to God for this year? What am I grateful for? Uh, for some of us, it's really easy. You've already probably thought about it. It's easy to start listing things uh, off in your head. Uh, maybe it was a pretty good year for you. 2023 was a good one. For others, though... Maybe this year has been not so good. Maybe it's been tough. It's difficult. Uh, and you'd much rather take this year as a kind of like a write-off. And you can't wait to just forget about it. And maybe still others, uh, you haven't really thought about it at all. Yeah, it's been, you know, a year. Uh, it's been pretty lukewarm. Uh, what's happened? Mm, I've aged a year. Uh, but that's about it. That's all I can remember. Maybe it was pretty lukewarm. Uh, however easy or hard it might be for you to reflect on 2023 uh, and kind of express gratitude, I want us for the next 30 minutes to lean into the concept a little bit uh, from a uniquely Christian perspective. Um, I want us to look at you know, three lessons uh, as we look at, is there a distinction between a Christian giving thanks and someone who's not a Christian uh, giving thanks? Thanks. Uh, so let's uh, dive into it. Uh, the first point uh, is, if you're a note taker, it's called For Our Gladness. So verse 1 and 2, let me read it. Uh, the psalmist says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Now, uh, I, I read verse 1 and 2, but 
interestingly, uh, in the original Hebrew and the English translation, there is a, uh, there is a verse zero, <laughs> oddly enough. Um, can you guess what it is? It's actually uh, listed in your Bibles. Uh, it's called, it's a, th- a psalm, psalm, psalm of thanksgiving. A psalm of thanksgiving. That's verse zero. Uh, so uh, it's a title of the psalm. Uh, it's in the original Hebrew and it's also in your English translation. So what, what, what can we make of that? Well, it's a title, so everything that's said in the psalm somehow is, it's got to do with the act of giving thanks. It, it's somehow got to do with thanksgiving. We need to have that at the back of our minds uh, as we uh, jump into it. So therefore, verses 1 and 2 are also related uh, somehow to the act of giving thanks. Um, when you read verses 1 and 2, you kind of think, okay, maybe at first glance, it's saying the same thing as the Harvard article is saying, uh, the psalmist calls upon people to make a joyful noise to the Lord and, and serve Him with gladness. Uh, that's another way of saying giving thanks can make you happier, is it not? It's another way of saying that. But what the psalmist is saying here goes well and truly beyond a, a kind of simple conte- uh, connection between a, a general sentiment of recognizing good stuff in your life and the, the general sentiment of, of happiness uh, we feel because we recognize uh, those good things. It's, it's actually much, much more specific than that. Giving thanks to God doesn't just make you happier, is what these verses are saying. What are they saying? It's saying God uh, giving thanks to God is actually the act of being glad. Okay? So it is the celebration itself. It's two sides of the same coin. So stick with me. Let me just break it down a little bit. Um, So if we look at the verses uh, here, verses 1 and 2, we read, uh, make a joyful noise. That literally means to shout out and, and, and show a bit of emotion. That's what the psalmist is saying saying, shout out, guys, and show a bit of emotion, for goodness sake. That's kind of what that word means, or those those two words mean. And and the word gladness we find translated uh, in the actual original Hebrew. Gladness, I mean, when you think of the word gladness, you don't think like, shouts of emotion, right? But that's what the actual original word means. It, It means to shout with uncontainable joy. That's what gladness uh, in the Hebrew at least, means. And if you look at verse 2, at the end of verse 2, even the invitation to sing, the word doesn't just mean, uh, let's sing. It doesn't mean that. It means, let's shout out with melody and let's shout and sing for joy. Uh, If you take all of this together, giving thanks, right? It is a psalm of thanksgiving. This is our Uh, The author chooses to begin his uh, call to worship. Giving thanks seems to involve a lot of shouting, doesn't it? It seems to involve a lot of of singing, a lot of of emotional expression. So what can we make of this? Now, most of you know that I'm very close with uh, uh, Peter. Peter, where are you? Um, I got permission to talk about him, so it's all good. we often talk, so, so both of us are pastors, um, and, and you know, we uh, always have chats about you know, certain things, and one of the most heated, uh, good heated, uh, heated conversations that we uh, often have uh, uh, is around this idea of, of, of praise and worship, uh, of, of singing together in song. 
uh, the singing together of the church. Uh, we, we have good chats. Uh, we, we, we often talk about uh, whether or not we should you know, sing this song uh, or, or that song. Uh, whether it's appro- appropriate for us to do that. Uh, whether, uh, Peter, remember this one, whether lyrics matter more than the melody, if the song doesn't have good, yeah, yeah. So uh, wh- whether the lyrics matter more than the melody. Um, I personally think lyrics matter more. Peter personally thinks the melody matters more. Uh, I think that was a rebuke from God. That, uh, where was I? Are we, are we good? That'd be good. So melody matters more, apparently. Um, uh, yep, go on. All right, and uh, this is a good one. We actually uh, had this debate. It, was, it, got, it got quite heated. Um, whether, whether we should repeat the bridge six times or whether we should just, just sing it once. Um, yeah. As fun as these conversations, I might not step on that. It's probably what set it off. As fun as uh, these uh, so-called worship war conversations are, uh, we're still friends. <laughs> uh, we still... Uh, agree to disagree in some respects, but we agree on one thing, and that is the common ground that we both stand on. Uh, can you guess what that is? We both agree that Christians singing together as a church should be an emotional experience. It should evoke an upsurge of emotion. It should be expressive, brothers and sisters. It, it should be joyful. It shouldn't be dreary and certainly not boring. So whatever the music team does, uh, whichever song they choose to sing or whether they choose to repeat, repeat the bridge six times or eight times or not repeat it at all, it should serve to help our church make a joyful noise to the Lord. Now, maybe, I don't know about you guys, maybe every Sunday you come and you're like, yeah, praise the Lord. But not me. Sometimes I come to church and the singing's hard. Sometimes I come to church and I'm singing, but I'm not really singing. Why is that? Maybe the reason why I sometimes find it difficult to worship God in song is because I'm missing a key ingredient. A thankful heart. Thanksgiving and singing together are two sides of the same coin. Perhaps we sometimes lack emotional expression, genuine joy as we worship God in song. Said it another way is because we are by default forgetful. We are forgetful. We really are forgetful, are we not? brothers and sisters. Maybe if you're a little bit younger, you might be thinking, no, I still have, you know, I can recall things. But, I mean, I'm not that old, but the older I get, uh, this has happened, and maybe this has happened to you. You're talking to a mate, and he's talking to you, and she's talking to you, and then a, a thought comes into mind, and you're like, oh, that's important. And then you're kind of waiting for the other person to stop talking, and you're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this thing. It's, it's important. And then, and then you say something, and you're like, oh, what was I thinking again? Has that ever happened to you? Of course. And it's really annoying. Uh, isn't it annoying? Like, you know the thought's there. I mean, it was there five seconds ago. And you know it's important, but you're like, and then you can't, you can't think about it. 
nothing comes to mind. The thought just kind of disappeared. Uh, if you could, and it's not just me, it's not just you. I think that's a, a, a sign of that's a, that's a sign of a, the human condition. Um, if you look at the Old Testament and the New, but predominantly the Old Testament, God's people sin a lot. Yeah, I mean, if you read the Old Testament, they sin quite a bit. Um, and if I were to ask you, okay, maybe sum up all of God's people's sins in one word, uh, how would you do it? Um, there are some ways that you can do it, but I think one uh, really good way is to say that, well, God's people were forgetful. They forgot. Brothers and sisters, we are pros at forgetfulness, are we not? Especially when it comes to how God has looked after us. And because we are forgetful, we often fail at doing what the psalmist here calls us to do. Because we approach God with a forgetful heart and mind, we don't make joyful noises to God. We, we don't feel this genuine sense of gladness, and we certainly don't sing with genuine joy. Thanks and praise. Thanks and praise are two sides of the same coin, brothers and sisters. Put it a different way, without one, the other suffers. This is how it works. On the one hand, when we lean into praising God in song, uh, the words, the melody, the music, we pay our mind and our attention to those things, we're actually confronted with a dozen good reasons that we should be thankful to God for. Songs are meant to do that. Songs are a memory retention tool. If you have kids, right, you teach them to sing. How do we know the ABC? I'm not going to sing it, but it's a song. Songs help us to remind ourselves of certain truths. But on the other hand, when we consciously approach God in song with already thoughts that we have in our minds about how God has been good to me throughout you know, any given week, we cannot help but express ourselves emotionally. See how that works? So here's an application for us. We're entering into the new year in 2024. Why don't you take this year to be a year where you lean into praise and worship on Sunday? Simple application point. Very practical. Lean into praise and worship on Sunday. To not be content with just you know, rocking up and standing there and kind of trying to sing a little and that's about it. But, but take the act of giving thanks and make that time where you think about that a joyful expression of emotion to God. You know, like I said before, uh, you could uh, focus maybe on the, on the songs and the lyrics and, and just, you know, get into the melody and the music of the songs that we're singing and, and set your mind and your heart on the song. Uh, I think that really helps us to feel a uh, uh, attitude, uh, feel a sense of thanksgiving and get into an attitude of thanksgiving too. Or maybe, uh, depending on how you're wired and all that, uh, maybe focus on you know, some of the things that you're thankful for throughout the week first. Um, have that you know, stored up in your memory bank and then, and then approach God in song on Sunday. Um, sing aloud to God, uh, you, thinking about the, the life, uh, the, the, the week rather, that you've had and see whether or not your heart feels that sense of gratitude and gladness. See, giving thanks and singing together are two sides of the same coin. 
brothers and sisters, when, when you do them together, uh, see how your heart is stirred for God, because it will be. Uh, it really will be. Um, the second point uh, is from Psalm verse 3. Uh, so let's look at our second lesson. Uh, so why should we give thanks as Christians? What's the difference? Uh, we've talked about uh, emotional expression. Um, what is that? You know, giving thanks can make you happier. I think that's somewhat of a uh, self-oriented benefit. And I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong with you know, benefiting yourself uh, in the act of giving thanks. Uh, but uh, remember the Harvard Medical School article? Uh, it was titled, Giving Thanks Can Make You Happier. Uh, if we dissect maybe the uh, underlying assumption behind this comment, why should I give thanks? Harvard says, well, you do it because it can make you happier. Uh, it's a me-centered motivation alone. Show a bit of gratitude in your life, mate, because you'll feel better. That's what the Harvard article is saying. Now, it's here that giving thanks as Christians again, uh, goes beyond uh, the worldly understanding of it. So here, again, stick with me. The reason why we give thanks is not because it makes me happy alone, i.e., it's for my own benefit. The reason why we give thanks is because of what we read in verse 3. The Lord, He is God. It is He who made us. We are His and we are his people. Now, you might have read that and be like, yeah, cool. Uh, big deal. Uh, it's interesting. There's an article on uh, the uh, Christian website, the Gospel Coalition, where uh, Trevor Wax, who's a uh, Christian journalist and author, he writes in the article about this, this verse alone. And he says this. He says, Psalm 103 is perhaps the most offensive verse in the Bible for Western people today. Now, that's a big claim, Trevin. Uh, uh, Trev Trevin, yep, Trevin, that's his name. Trevin's a weird name. Trevin. Um, there's not much here that's offensive to us, is there? Are you telling me, Trevin, that this verse is more offensive than what the Bible says about judgment, about what the Bible says about the exclusivity of Jesus? about hell, or maybe a hot topic one, about sexuality? Is this really the most offensive verse in the Bible? Trevin says yes, because this verse rips out the roots of one of our societies, our Western world's most fundamental ideas, that I am my own. That I'm responsible for making and defining myself. Put it differently, I'm living out my truth. You do you. I am my own. To this, Psalm 103 says, The Lord is, the Lord, He is God. He made us. We are His. We are His people. In other words, he, not us, He is self-sufficient. We, as human beings, are dependent. He is the source of life. And we only live because of Him. That's what the psalmist is saying. 
we are not in control. We are not in control. And this is a hard thing for us who have been living the Australian dream for a while now to swallow. But I think for the first time in a while, a little thing, a little, little thing happened. That for a brief moment, Australian society and the Western world in general, we, we, we felt this self-oriented rug pulled out from under us. And we all felt it. Even if it was for but a brief moment. Do you remember that little thing that happened? That small thing in 2020 to 2022? That little thing that forced us to stay in our homes? When we literally could not move around freely for the first time in our lifetime? It's interesting. Uh, the ABC, so uh, the Australian yeah, the ABC, uh, reported, they did a, a bit of a survey on religious belief uh, before COVID, during COVID, and after COVID. Uh, since COVID, it found that more and more Australians actually started to have more spiritual conversations. They actually started to think more about mortality, about morality, about God. That's interesting. I wonder why that happened. Maybe it's because we as a society realized for a brief moment, for a glimpse, that I am maybe not in control of my own life. Maybe we are not our own. See how offensive that verse is now. Now, back to giving thanks. There is a, I think there is a, a direct link between the genuine expression of uh, giving thanks to God and the level of our own self-sufficiency. Okay? I don't think this is necessarily uh, related to the actual accomplishments one has. Uh, though, if you have a lot of accomplishments and you've done a lot with your life, um, I think it certainly does make it harder in some cases. Uh, but the, the point that I want us to kind of uh, focus in on is the idea of feeling self-sufficient, whether you're actually accomplished or not. If you feel self-sufficient in your life, then the less you would feel thankful to God. The more we buy into the definition of the world's uh, uh, meaning, uh, of, the world's, of what the world says who I am, that I am my own master, that I live out my own truth. And get this, that my accomplishments, what I have done with my life is solely a result of my own efforts and maybe a bit of my greatness. The more we think like that, the more we opt out of the Bible's definition of who God says I am, that I am not my own, that I am His see how offensive this verse is. But I want us to consider, if you will, really, how much, how much of my life is actually exclusively a result of my own efforts, I wonder. How I'm wired, what I'm gifted in, the opportunities afforded to me, my privilege. How much of these things have I actually made for myself? Many of these things, are they not outside of our control? 
So whose control is it in? Of course, the Christian says it's the Lord. Why? Because he is God. When someone says, uh, when someone thinks that they are in full control of their lives, they actually start to believe that every good thing that's happening in their lives is because of who? Well, them. Because of me. So it's no wonder that this person will genuinely struggle to give thanks to God because in his mind, there really isn't anything to be thankful to God for because all that I am is a result of me. But Psalm 103 says that there are no self-made men and women in the world because God made us. We didn't make ourselves. We belong to him. God is God, and we're not. So how does this help us give thanks? Well, we aren't God, yes. But this verse helpfully describes who we actually are. God made us. We are his. We are his sheep. In other words, we are his treasured possession. He is our shepherd. We are his sheep. He looks after us, is what the psalmist is saying. We are not our own. We are sheep. But God is our shepherd. And what does a good shepherd do for his sheep? He feeds them. He looks after them. He protects them. He guides them. He leads them. He loves them. Elsewhere in the Bible, we read that the heart of God is like the shepherd who leaves the 99 to seek after the one lost sheep. God deeply cares for us. We are his, and that is a good thing. We are not in control. God is. We are not our own. We are his. And who are we? We are his sheep. God is our shepherd. He looks after us every part of our life. God gives. God tends to. God cares for This is why brothers and sisters, Christians, have the best of reasons to be actually thankful for. Because we should be thankful for what? Well, everything. Everything in our life we should be thankful for. You know, the longer you uh, live out as a Christian, what I found was, I mean, I've been a Christian for a while now, and it's not always easy. Uh, As you live out this life, you feel bitter in some seasons of life. You feel ungrateful in uh, some seasons of life. You, you feel disillusioned sometimes at, at, at God even, at the church most certainly. What do you do in that situation, brothers and sisters? Be thankful. You know, thankful, thankfulness is like a, it's a, it's like a spiritual shot in the arm to the Christian. You know, it's, it's, it's the spiritual IV drip of the Christian. Excuse my poor analogy, but you kind of get the point. Why is it like that? Well, because we're actually declaring to ourselves, it's not about me. The Lord is God. I am His, not my own. I'm His sheep and He is my shepherd. You know, it flies against the preaching of the world that tells us that we create our own meaning and quality of life. God tells us who we are. God gives us all. Uh, God gives us all we have. So what? So we never fall short of the things we can give thanks to God for. Because everything, and I don't say this lightly, brothers and sisters, everything in life 
my life, your life, was gifted to us. It's a precious gift to us. So we give him thanks because he deserves our thanks. And verse 5, finally, For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Now let me uh, open the proverbial uh, can of worms because I love doing that up here. You're saying to me, Daniel, that everything in my life is from God? That everything in my life was given to me by God? Okay, maybe the good things I'm okay with. Okay, sure, the good things in my life. But what about the not-so-good things? Hmm? What about the things I've seen other people this year get from God? And I've been asking and wanting the same things. And another year has gone. And I'm still empty-handed. It feels like everybody else is getting gifts from God except me. You said that those with a lot and accomplished a lot might find it a bit hard to give thanksgiving, but I don't think so. I think if you don't have much, you will find it difficult to give thanks. What if another year has gone, Daniel, and I feel like I haven't accomplished anything? I'm still stuck where I'm at. Maybe you've seen other people... Uh, friends, and fam- friends and family get married and you want to get married and another year has gone and you're still single. What gives, God? Uh, maybe you're a couple and you've been trying really hard to fall pregnant and have children and you see at our church so many couples, other couples, not even trying to get pregnant and they get pregnant three times. And you're kind of going, what, what gives, God? Or maybe you're, maybe you're stuck in this dead-end job. You hate it. Maybe, maybe you're younger and you're stuck in this dead-end degree and you're like, I don't know why I'm doing this degree. Or maybe this is the year that you finally lost your job this year. For the first time in your life, you feel helpless. Everybody feels like they're moving forward in life, but not me. I feel like I'm moving backwards. Maybe that's you. <sighs> You know, in the Harvard article, the author notes that the list of things that the thankful group wrote down were actually mostly all circumstantially positive things. So it was based on circumstance. So whatever the thing that they were thankful for, it was rooted in what they went through. And they were pointing out the positive things that they went through and not worrying about, you know, all the other negative stuff that happened in their life. The Christian, though, For the Christian, the act of giving thanks, and please bear with me, brothers and sisters, the act of giving thanks goes much, much deeper than just circumstance. We read in 1 Thessalonians that we're commanded as Christians to give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, we always wonder, what's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? That's one of them. Are you prepared to live that out? To give thanks in all circumstances. So then, the question must be asked. If we can't base our thanksgiving on 
mere circumstance? What can we base it on? It's a simple answer, but a difficult one to swallow. Verse 5. That the Lord is good. That the goodness of God. As it's often said, sometimes tritely, that God is good all the time. And that all the time, God is good. Isn't this an exercise of faith, brothers and sisters? Are we not people of faith? Are we not called to trust in God? This is an exercise of that trust. You see, the measure, the measure and depth of how much we give thanks to God for uh, the year that we've gone through is actually directly linked to the measure and depth of our belief in this claim that the Lord is good, that He is always good, and He has and will always be good to me. Circumstances be damned. That is the confession of a Christian. Now, it's hard to do that. I get it. I've been there. It's hard to do that. But the power of Christian thanksgiving is demonstrated most strongly, most strongly, when we do so despite the circumstances surrounding us. That is where our faith shines brightest. If we get this, brothers and sisters, if if we get, if we learn this lesson, Life itself will look different. I can guarantee you that. You know, the Apostle Paul, he says, after learning this lesson, he says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Do you hear that? In any and every circumstance. Man, how does this work though? I've said it's hard, but what does it look like? Does this mean that Paul was always smiley? That he was always happy? He should have changed his name to Pete because he was a positive Pete, right? You know, he's, Was he just always a happy chap and just being positive all the time and optimistic all the time? Sometimes the most optimistic people are some, most annoying when, depending on which, what, uh, what you're going through. But anyways... Was he like this? Was he always like, hey, don't worry about it? You know, was he like that? Of course not. If you read the New Testament, we feel, we almost feel the, the, the grief of the Apostle Paul. This guy, I mean, this guy went through a lot. He really did. He knew what it meant to experience deep sadness, spiritual depression, disappointment of failed expectations. He knew what it felt like to be betrayed by people. He called friends. He knew what it felt like to to experience emotional and material loss. So what is the secret for him? Well, the secret's not that secret. He trusted in that no matter what, God is good. That's it. That's it. He trusted that God is good all the time. You know, the Christian who's had a, maybe a rough year in 2023, whose expectations and desires and longings, you thought that this year would be the year. But it's the end, and you feel like you're empty-handed. And yet, 
you still cling with those empty hands onto faith, onto the faith that God is still good to me, that every single moment of my life, even while I look like I have nothing in my hands to bring to God, that God is good to me. It's this kind of Christian. Personally, I have seen that I can almost see their faith in. Somebody who doesn't have much, who's actually experienced loss and still still says, man, God is good to me. Now that's a faith worth having. So if your 2023 was a bit rubbish, and I like those people who seem like they're getting all of God's blessings. You're kind of sitting there thinking, where are my blessings, God? If you still hold on to this confession, God is still good to me. If you still believe in your heart of hearts that when times are good, God is good. When times are tough, God is good. When I have all I need, God is good. And even when the longings of my heart are yet to be satisfied, God is good. That's a good kind of faith. That's a faith worth having. And I'm not saying that it can be easily grasped in a heartbeat or even in a day. It requires wrestling. So I invite you as we enter into 2024 to wrestle with that confession. And perhaps maybe throughout 2024, it might look like the same as 2023. But at the end of next year, you can say, man, God has been so good to me. And in my lacking and unfulfilled longings for the things I want, God, you've taught me that you really are all I need. That in the relational difficulties I might have had throughout the year, and maybe even the mental health challenges that, have, that I've been confronted with, you've taught me that you see me and you understand me. It's a hard thing, Right? to give thanks to God when circumstances scream against us. It might be one of the hardest things we do. It might be one of the hardest things we do. But when we push through the darkness with thankful hearts, I can promise you, friend, the the depth of faith and the level of spiritual intimacy and closeness you have with the God of the heavens it's going to be incomparable. So then what is distinct about how Christians give thanks? Is there any distinction at all? I hope you can hear that there is. Of course there is. Because what is Christian thanksgiving to us? When you look at the three points... For our gladness, he is God, he is good. What word pops into mind? These three points show that true, genuine Christian thanksgiving isn't just for me, it's for worship. We worship God when we give thanks to God. We worship with our hearts on fire for God and our minds engaged in the things he does for us. We worship by giving thanks because he's God. Of course, that's worship. And we worship through and beyond our circumstance with thanksgiving because when we do that, 
Oh boy, is God worshipped to the full. You know, this, this psalm is appropriately known as the Thanksgiving psalm because it's been used to call God's people to worship throughout millennia. Throughout the Israelites' time, the call to worship was done by this psalm. And it's been used by Christians now across uh, countries, churches, denominations, because it is a perfect way to call people to worship. And I chose this psalm not only to begin our psalms mini-series, but to close off this year, because I think it's appropriate to close off our year with worship, right? Because God deserves our worship. Let's think on the year and recall as much as we can on, on, on why we are thankful to God for all that He has done for us, for the good times and even the not-so-good times. So let's, let's close off this year and, and jump into another year with joyful shouts of praise, with singing from the heart as we thank Him for everything that He is and done for us. So let's do that. Let's pray, and we will sing a little bit after that. Let's pray together. It's a simple thing that I ask you to pray for. Just think about this year. Think about all the, maybe uh, start it off light. Start off with the things that you might actually, uh, you know, be think- thankful for uh, in the circumstances uh, that you've gone through, the good, the good stuff. And as you, as you think about that, maybe if you, if you feel brave enough, uh, think about maybe not the not-so-good times and just emotionally and spiritually process uh, what you went through. And, and maybe perhaps at the end of it, you can still fa- say, thank you, God. Maybe that's you. Or not. But wherever you might be, uh, I invite you to just reflect on how good God has been to you and how God has been your God and how that should fill our hearts with gladness, with a joy, an overflowing joy that we can't contain. So let's give thanks to God for all that He has done and all that He is, and then we'll respond in song together. Let's pray.